You're listening to the Two Sleuth Podcast, all about the business of dentistry. Hosted by yours truly, Greg Essenmacher, a fixed full arch dental expert and founder of GNA Consult, speaking with industry leaders on the dental landscape from their perspective. Welcome everyone to another episode of the Two Sleuth Podcast. On today's episode, I'm excited to welcome Ben Shaver. So Ben is a business consultant and the owner of Venture Practices. For the past 15 years, he and his venture team have been working with dental groups to recruit, retain, and market ideal candidates. Their recruitment as a service platform supports recruiters' efforts by sourcing high-end candidates that are not currently seeking employment. So welcome to the show, Ben. Thanks so much for being here today. Hey, Greg. Thanks for having me. I'm excited. Ready to, ready to do so this. I'm, I'm curious. So your platform helps to find high-end candidates that are not currently seeking employment. Tell me a little bit about that. What, how does that work? Yeah, it was kind of a kind of one of those happy accidents. We started out years ago, um, like I said, 15 years in the business, but we started as a marketing agency back before everybody had a marketing agency. Back then, you called it an advertising agency. But uh, very few people doing that in dental. But as time went on, what we realized was what brought success for a marketing campaign was actually how the people inside the practice, you know, the patient experience, their energy, that culture kind of drove referrals. So for us, we started looking at, okay, how do we build these great teams, put these teams together that led us several years ago to recruiting? Well, recruiting is a very complicated and interesting space. And so we looked at it more from a marketing perspective. How can we go out there and find people that aren't just answering Indeed ads? How do we work around these job hoppers? You know, a lot of the recruiting agencies, you know, you're recycling a lot of candidates. So we found a way to go out, create these campaigns, reach out through putting together a strong brand. And we'll do text messaging, emails, and, and even go into social media to some degree. But a lot of this also depends on whether you got a brand people want to go work for. So we do a lot of work with clients on that as well. Yeah. And establishing a brand, I mean, you're hitting on all the major touch points that what I do with full arch clients, right? First, it's all about branding and branding isn't just what you're putting out there on digital media, right? It's also about every touch point of the patient experience. And you talked about that too, right? It, it's, it's all about how are you representing yourself, your organization, your company that others see feel, taste, touch, experience, right? How are they experiencing what it is that you're offering out there? And if you have a good brand, if you have a good reputation, if people are attracted to what you're offering, then you're going to attract the top talent. And that's so critically important. And I work with clients in that capacity in many different ways. So what are you finding as far as, and I love the touch points that you're talking about too, because I experience that. I work with clients on that in the full arch space. So what are you finding and experiencing? Because everybody knows, you know, that there was, you know, just a wasteland of good talent and, you know, the, the great resignation that happened a number of years ago. Talk to me about the last few months, the last three to six months, maybe what some of the changes you saw in the marketplace, what you're seeing in employment in general in the dental space. What are some of the things that are coming around the corner that some clients or people that are listening, whether they're dentists or clinicians or 
in clinic or even on the manufacturing side, those that maybe aren't looking, maybe some of the things they can think about or hear about, listen, know, understand. I'm sure those insights would be great. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's no secret that it's been more of a, how do you say, kind of buyer's market, right? To where if you're looking for a job, there's a lot of opportunity out there. I think, you know, everybody brings up DSOs, large group practices. You know, we work with a lot of those. Our core generally client base is between five practices and 50. But what we've noticed is there's starting to be a little bit more intention put behind the recruiting process. So in other words, it was very simply, you could go run an ad on Indeed or Better Teams, wherever you put your ads up and generally get at least a couple candidates, whether they were perfect for the job or not, at least you were getting some activity. You know, when people call us, they've kind of gone through the whole recruiting agency thing at that point, and they're looking for something a little bit different, but they're still, you know, these were hard to fill areas. Or they were in areas where they might have got a few applicants, but they're not still getting the ones that they want. So we've started looking at how do we match people with culture? So in the areas where they can get the candidates they want, are they the ones that are going to fit that culture? We do that through disk and value assessments, assessments we have the practices take. Uh, but then, you know, these hard to fill areas that are a little bit more rural that takes a little bit more time. So we really dig in there, go out, outreach, do these radius targeting. Um, but it goes back to, like you were saying, with brand. It's the same reason somebody would come in as a patient is the same reason this candidate would come to you is that they see themselves working at that practice. You know, you talk about it. Um, I can't remember exactly how you were saying it, but I always say the look, act, and feel. The branding part of it is that feel. You know, what do they feel when they see, <clears throat> excuse me, a, a video of you or they see your website? They're certainly digging into your social media. We've had several candidates talk to us about, hey, we went on Indeed and saw that they were a 2.8 rating and had 46 ratings. That's not good. <laughs> um, you know, so even reviews now are a big deal in, in this. So it's, it's all of it. And so I think to answer your question is you've got to have a pretty solid process and system in place to know how you're going to create leads outside of just running an ad on Indeed, but also nurture those leads like you would in marketing to where maybe their contract runs out and they were interested, but you know most people just abandon it. If you say no and you're not going to, we're done talking to you. We help clients nurture those leads because that's important. Well, and pipeline management, right? Same on the candidate side as it is on the patient side in full arch or in anything else that once they're in the pipeline, it, it might not be a yes today, but it might take a week, two weeks, three weeks, a month because they have to go through that process as well. It's a big decision for somebody to take on a new employment opportunity at every level. It's not just, you know, at the biggest levels or the executives. I mean, it's even for the dental assistants of it's really a marriage. If you think about it, <clears throat> how many hours a week are they spending with you and your team and engagement and that job satisfaction level is so critically important. And I love that you mentioned, right, you know, the ratings online, because I, I do a lot of traveling for business. You know, my spouse and I travel a lot. You know, he's the one who's always looking. And if we go out to eat somewhere, we look at those ratings. And so the generation that is now are looking at those online ratings for employers and trying to find every little bit and piece of information 
before they take that next step of that move. But I want to go back to something that you said right in the very beginning. You talked about the differentiation between yourself and a, a recruiting agency. Drill down a little bit more into that. Tell, talk about the differentiation because I think my listening audience would want to hear a little bit more about that. Because Even for myself, I'm not quite as clear on what some of the differences might be. And I think that uh, because, again, how one differentiates a practice for patients to come in, especially in the full arch case and the big, big cases that are being done, is so critically important. So I'd love to hear for you to be able to differentiate a little bit about what it is you all do so that it doesn't get lost in the noise of just recruiting, because I think it could possibly. So I want you to be able to share that if you could a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, when we got into doing recruiting, it was more out of necessity, not because like, ooh, look, we can go make a lot of money. There yeah. are, you know, when we got into it, like, wow, yes, you can make a lot of money, but it's very competitive. Uh, I guess I think people You're describing hate it. full arch, by the way. Everybody's getting right. into full arch because, oh, look at how much money we can make. It's super competitive. It's not all that's glory. You got to do it really well. Pipeline management. I mean, the parallel yeah. years are great, Ben. I love it. So please keep going. I didn't mean to interrupt, but it's, it's well, uncanny actually, how many parallels there are here. <laughs> well, so that that's the actual thing. When you talk about how we, we made it different is we had that marketing background and mm -hmm. I just couldn't take my brain to, okay, so... What I was going to say was it's a lot like real estate, I felt like. You know, you had the buyer's agent and the seller's agent. The recruiting agencies would go out. They would place the same ads basically that, you know, maybe the practice did, but they would have a different way of getting people to come into them. They would send the candidate over, but then another recruiting agency would send a candidate over. So they recycled these kind of same candidates. The internal recruiters, they kind of had to do the same thing because they're busy. They don't have time to go seek out and find and source candidates the, the right way. So as an agency or recruiting agency, you're only getting paid when that person starts. So to actually just pay a bunch of people to go out and source and do all that, most are not doing that. So there's, I'm not going to get into the depths of active recruiting versus passive recruiting. Passive is really doing the hard work and going out there and find it. Most agencies claim they do that, and the really good ones do. But they've also got a pretty solid network. So that's the problem. You've got all the ones you got to filter through that don't necessarily have that. They're probably not you know, going to bring you great results. But we do. We partner with a lot of these agencies because you can burn the candle at both ends. So back to what we do and the approach we take is more campaign-based to where we'll say, okay, over the next 90 days, we hope to find somebody in the next nine days. But over the next 90 days, we're going to actually outreach to all the licensed dentists in a certain radius. And we're going to see if we can't get them interested in at least raising their hand to say, hey, I'd like to hear a little bit more information. But we take that marketing and branding approach where like, okay, we're going to create you your own landing page. Because a lot of our clients are groups that the group may have a name, but then they've got branded practices that are completely different name. So that causes some issues when you're trying to recruit because are you recruiting to the bigger group or are you recruiting to this local office? Because I, I guarantee you the candidate cares about that local office more than you know all the things you put on your website as a group. So um, when when they do raise their hand at that point, it's more of a lead generation we take a look at that and we say, okay, let's, let's send it on to the client. We're representing ourselves as the client. That's another big differentiator. So they're seeing the brand, they're seeing the name, they know, it's, you know who it is. It's not, we're not hiding behind our name. 
And then, you know, from there, there's a second step where we'll use uh, disk and values assessments. Um, all of us are certified to, to administer those so that we can figure out, is this person economically driven? Are they going to be a high producer? Is that going to be bad for this practice because it's a more laid back, you know, more altruistic type practice? I mean, everybody wants to make money, but it's how they do it, right? And then work-life balance. So people can win the interview. It's very difficult for these dental practices and dental groups to know, you know, is this person winning the interview? Clinically, we can show them what they need to do, but if they're not a fit, we're going to be back talking to you again about having to recruit somebody. So our whole big pitch is, you know, we're going to help you recruit for retention. And retention right now is probably the number one problem in recruiting if you really get right down to it. Hi, everyone. Sorry for the interruption. Greg Essenmacher here, founder of GNA Consult. Just want to take a brief moment and let you know if you're a practice owner, founder, group administrator, or DSO regional manager trainer and looking to add, grow full large for your location, improve same source sales, or learn more about what full large can do for your production numbers and profitability, reach out to the show and book a discovery call today. Our expert team is here to help. Yeah, and that evaluation of personality types and match for a client and match for an office is so critically important. I know for myself, when I was bringing on an executive assistant, it, that was critically important that, to know what her disc profile was compared to mine. And I actually have a good friend of mine, uh, Brittany, who I've worked with in the past, and her and I are just great friends. And she's she, I don't know if it's like a master level or what you call it, but she's actually taught the disc personality profile before. And I said, okay, help me out. Like I'm trying to find the right person. Like what should I be looking for? And she, she simply said to me, do you want somebody who challenges you? Or do you want somebody who just gets the job done and will implement what it is that you want to have happen? I'm like, I don't want somebody that challenges me. No. And she goes, okay, you're looking for this and this, because I know you're this and this. And it was just such a natural fit. And you talk about that and being a natural fit, um, which is so critically important. So one of the things that you talk about too is a culture fit, right? And culture is just a word, right? That gets thrown around so much, you know, of like, oh, so how was your culture? And the culture is great. How do you go through a discernment process with a potential practice, client, founder, group? You talked about that you work with groups primarily between five and 50 locations. What uh, tools do you use to assess culture in any particular environment? What are some of the gauges that you use? You know, I was calling it, you know, the touch, taste, feel, you know, th those pieces. Yeah. And you were calling it earlier the, the look, act, and feel of a practice, the feel of a practice. So I'm curious, maybe if you could just give a few pointers for those that are listening, like what is it that you identify as pieces of the culture that are so critically important? Um, and I think you said a few of them just a few minutes ago, right? So is it like the hard driving top line revenue? You know, we want more, 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 right? You know, like that disco song from the 70s, more, more, more. How do you like it? You know, is it that or is it more of the, you know, not so much laid back, but is it, is it? focused um, intentionally on we really want to be on the higher end of patient care where it's not so much is the is the schedule always jam-packed full with how many new patients can we get in but what is the quality of the patient just like in a marketing campaign right how restrictive is the mm -hmm. funnel at the top so can you talk to me a little bit about what the philosophy at adventure is when it comes to assessing culture if you would 
Yes, there's obviously two ends to that, right? It's the candidate side and then, of course, the the employer side. I think the bigger is the employer side, and it's kind of really talking through with them, getting creative. Because back to talking about those assessments, people tend to fall on one side. You're either more of a people person and enjoy people jobs, or you're more of a task person and enjoy task jobs. In the dental space, you find that lots of times there's they try to hybrid people. And people in a hybrid role are going to always go to the one thing they're more comfortable with. So I will look at it and if we can do the disc and value assessments on the people in the practice, that helps me realize, okay, the majority of the people here are this. And do we need to balance that out? Or are we getting ready to bring a dentist in a situation where there's an office manager that's very assertive, very power hungry, you know, very efficient as it relates to money. And I have another word, but I'm not going to say it. (laughs) Right. I mean, why several we could throw out there that, uh, no, 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 don't say that, Greg, don't say it. Keep it clean. Right. Right. Uh, No, I agree with you. I've definitely heard it all at this point. Um, Or you've got the the wife or husband that, uh, is running the practice. So that can always create some challenges, but If you hire a dentist that also has that same profile, what's going to happen? They're going to butt heads and the team's not going to know who's in charge. And then you're, you're back to somebody leaving and, or you're just having to put out fires all the time. And I know that the operators we talk with, because we work with a lot of the COO level people, they're like, I don't want any more phone calls. Can you make that happen to where (laughs) these people aren't cost? But you can't always get it perfect, but you can at least now know the predictable conflict so that when a situation arises, how can you guys solve this yourself? And so a lot of it is, you know, we've got team communication workshops that we do that helps us, you know, with the practice or even when somebody comes in, because when you bring in a dentist, whether they wanted to be a leader or not, they're going to be viewed that way and making sure there's a soft landing for that. Onboarding has to be a big deal too. I could talk all day about how that goes wrong, but uh, you know, to, to get back to answering your question here, it's more about what does this person value? What is the practice value? And like you said, is it is it money? Is it high production level? If so, hey, go there for a couple of years, get fast. You know, I mean, I always tell people go to Medicaid practices. You're going to get really fast and learn dentistry really quick. You know, and then you know that next contract, find something a little more permanent. Um, They may want partnership. They may want CE taken care of. There's a lot of different things that that they may want. Younger generation's killing it right now. They are coming out and they are very specific about what they're looking for. Um, And that, that first contract, they feel they have to go to a DSO. And I think to some degree they do, but there are opportunities out there for them and rural practices and a private practice. But by the time they get to that second contract, they're very, very, very picky about what they're doing. Yeah. And I appreciate you sharing that. So if a practice owner, a group owner, a group that you work with, what would you say is, you know, how an organization or how would they, what would they use as a measuring stick, if you will, to be able to discern the success level of recruiting you know is it in 
long-term placement, in job satisfaction, in time to hire, in what what are some of those measuring sticks that if if you were to be on the other side as the practice owner or as the organization lead, right? Or in the C-suite for some of these groups that are, you know, larger in size on the upper end of what you work with, what would you measure a company, a group, an organization like yours against to say, this is the most successful, or these are the measuring sticks to say, this was a really good relationship that we had in our vision of execution. And here's something, you know, you could say that that when we measured against this, it wasn't as successful as we could have been. And what are some of those factors on both sides, both for what you do and also on ownership stake and accountability that, you know, the client needs to take in that regard? Yeah. So for us, people are are paying us monthly. So that that's the biggest thing is they're, they're looking at it as what, what type of outreach is being done. So we look at not only the number of people that we're outreaching to, who raised their hand, who went to the landing page, what activity that it takes. We're constantly optimizing these campaigns to figure out, you know, is this just an area that's going to need an owner doctor? I mean, there are some rural areas that, you know, if you don't have two doctors in a practice in your group, that's always going to be a struggle because when one leaves, you're, you're almost not able to stay open, right? Or you're getting a locum dentist to, to come in. I think for the groups and, you know, people that are hiring a lot of uh, dentists or, or staff in general, how many open positions do you have? We had a group a couple of weeks ago that we were talking with that they have 52 practices and 78 open positions. Whether that's good or bad, I mean, you can be subjective about it, but those number of open positions will indicate to me a culture issue, especially if it's the same practices over and over that have openings and you have to solve that issue first. If not, you're just hiring somebody that you're going to be back replacing a year or two years from now. And that, and the amount of money, I mean, we've studied this to try to figure out a good round number and there's just not one, but the amount of money it costs you every time you hire someone is, you know, uh, far more than keeping them. So you have to make sure that the retention's there. I also think, um, you know, how many job openings you have versus how many you closed this week. So how many new ones came on board this week? How many did you close? We'll, we'll take a look at that. Um, and then back to that six month retention rate is really what we look at. A lot of people will look at 90 days. I'm like, 90 days doesn't tell me anything. Most people can stick it out for six months. Uh, we, for clients, we'll go back in and actually interview some of these dentists to see, get feedback. And you, you get some interesting feedback on things that you're like, is this a big deal? I guess it is. Right. So we, we make sure that they have that feedback. Yeah, I think that's great. I appreciate the insights there too, right? You know, number of practices, number of openings and fixing the culture first makes a heck of a lot of sense. Well, Ben, this is the part of the show that all of my clients get to go through. And it's a little thing we like to do, which is called what the sleuth is going on. So it's three rapid fire questions. It's the first thing that comes to mind. Are you ready to play? Yes, I think. (laughs) I love the hesitation. Question number one. What is the worst bad breath you've ever encountered? Oh, that's easy. That was, uh, I don't want to say her name, but it was a teacher I had in high school that would smoke cigarettes. Then she'd drink a couple cups of coffee, come in, get right in your face to cut right in homeroom, right as you're starting your day. I'll always remember her. 
good first bad Love that. Well, I'll leave that to you to tag on socials, her name when it comes out and we publish the episode. Because I'm she, glad you didn't say she it. She may out. not be with us anymore, Greg. Oh, she may okay, uh, yeah. Come on now. You seem pretty imagine. young. She's probably still... <laughs> No, no, that was probably 30 years ago, so she's... Maybe you can tag the school. That'll just be fun for everyone involved, okay? They'll know who I'm talking about. That would be it. There you go. Well, yeah, everybody who went to the school will know who you're talking about, I'm sure. Okay, question number two. If you could change one thing about your smile, what would it be? Oof. Um, Luckily, I have a really great dentist that's a client that's been changing it, so... uh, you know, he's straightened my smile. I guess now I probably could go in and get some whitening. Um, but I, that's the thing. I know a lot of people don't have confidence in their smiles. Luckily, I've been able to work with people that have helped me with that. So I'm pretty satisfied. So you've been working on it. All right. There you go. See, you're, already, yeah. you're, you're like yeah. an advanced student when it comes to the question. I like it. I like it. I mean, you're isn't it bad, though, Greg, to walk into dentists and you've got a bad smile? Because you know they're going to be like, you know, I can take care of that. Kind of like a landscaper that you drive by their house and their lawn's a mess and it's not edged and their shrubs need to be trimmed. It's like, really? Isn't that kind of yeah. like your calling card, man? Come on. Yeah, yeah. of course. The, the SEO Your company dental? that shows up on page five. Yeah. It's, <laughs> yeah or you can't find them. Or the error yeah. 404 shows up when you try to click on their landing page. Right. That's a problem. Might, might want to correct that. Absolutely. Okay, question number three. If you could go back and be the inventor of any dental product, which one would you choose and why? I mean, I guess toothpaste, right? That was very revolutionary. Um, I think that's, for the most part, people are getting by with being pretty good on that. So that would probably be the one that helped the most people, I guess, or whatever instruments help pull a tooth, because I'm sure back in the 1800s. Uh, and I would like to add this. This has nothing to do with anything we've been talking about except branding. Since it's not the 1800s anymore, you do not actually have to put a tooth in a logo because people know you're going to be a dentist, right? So it's like, there's just those faux pas now that uh, I've, I've probably worked with over 200 startups in my day. And no matter how much we talked about that, they all ended up with a tooth. I'm like, okay, I get it. So whatever it. you do, Ben, do not look at the GNA consult logo because it was created. It's okay for you to do it because you're consulting, right? Well, let me ask you this though. Did you have the crossed <laughs> arms? Like no, this there's no the crossed picture? arms. And some people say that, it, it, that if you really look at it closely and you've ever looked at my logo, look at it a second time and see if it reminds you of the hairdo of a former president of ours. I'm just saying, you'll <laughs> never look at the logo again now that I've said that. Now that I, I do have look. a big recollection of your logo, I don't have to guess. I would know who that would be. You know so what talking about. <laughs> Literally everyone who follows this show is never going to look at the GNA consult the same again, <laughs> ever again. <laughs> but you yeah. use the hair with the two. I mean, that's solid, right? That's. I mean, it 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 literally, it, it serves two purposes. I'm just saying. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, I just tell All people right. about brand. I'm like, don't overthink your brand as far as the brand identity. Think about how it's straightforward. You know, people perceive. Yeah. If if it's memorable, people will remember it. So that's why I always put that little earworm, in, you know, or eye worm. Is it an eye worm? If it's an earworm, it's something you say. What is it if it's something you see? Oh, I don't know that it's one. Yeah, worm? but it's. I would assume I it's, it's eye worm. Eye worm. All right, we'll go with that eye worm. I'm I'm gonna go with that. Yeah. And I'm gonna ask. Maybe my you coined. Maybe you coined a new phrase here. I, yeah. It could be. I think I've just started. I'll, I'm going to start a new trend. We'll see if we can get that to trend on 
X. It's not Twitter anymore. It's X. So who who even knows anymore? All right, Ben. Uh, anyway, so in the last few minutes, I want to respect your time. Thank you for being on the show. But is there anything that I haven't asked you that you feel is important about venture practices, about what you do, about branding? Now that we know about branding, don't don't have a tooth and don't have the doctor standing there with his arms crossed. Um, to share with my listening audience today that you'd want to share with them? Yeah. And to clarify that, it's more just because everybody does that. You don't stand right. out. Differentiate. Right? So that's, yes, of course. And I, I will say that I've, I learned this long ago about marketing was if it doesn't make you uncomfortable, it's probably not going to work. So keep that in mind as you're, as you're doing that. Now, I, I know that you know we have a, a unique model. So we get a lot of questions when when people contact us. But it's the big advantage here is obviously cost and quickness to getting a candidate. You know, we're anywhere from 1500 all the way up to 15000 depending on how many people you're trying to recruit for. So it's definitely a, a better alternative and a good way to get started on the sourcing side without having to be dependent upon outside uh, recruiting agencies, as well as, you know, not putting stress on your current staff. So... Go to venturepractices.com, check it out. It's It's been great for us. It kind of blew up over the past year. That's why we've stuck with it and have kind of let the recruiting agencies do what they need to do, and, and we do what we do. Love it. And that's what I was going to ask you of how people can find you. We'll make sure that gets in the show notes. So I've been speaking with Ben Shaver. He is a business consultant and owner of Venture Practices. I so appreciate the time that you've spent today with me, Ben. Nothing but the best of luck to you, and I hope you have a great holiday season. Thank you so much. Yes, you too, Greg. Thank you. Take care. Take care. Be sure to tune in to our next episode of the Tooth Sooth Podcast. If you need help with converting lead calls into consults, closing consults into more full-arch cases, or creating a more strategic marketing message and branding for your practice or group, follow me for more tips, or reach out to GNA Consult for a discovery call today. <laughs>